Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. Well, hello, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode with Pastor Tom Brennan, with the great interview there, a lot of wisdom coming from him. And if you're listening right now and you didn't listen to that episode, I'd encourage you to pause this, go back to that, check it out, and then come back to this one here. But hopefully you enjoyed it. There was a well of knowledge coming from him there, and it was a huge blessing to me, and I pray it was to you. And I would encourage you to go check out that blog that he mentioned there, the one that he does the writing every week for, and check it out. It's a huge blessing. I enjoy reading his articles. They're a big help to me, and I believe they can be to you as well. For today's episode, we'll be looking just at a, a Bible challenge, uh, just to the Word of God, and looking at a, a short challenge to convict each of us and help us in our walk with the Lord. And again, as I said, there are some interviews coming with me being a full-time Christian school teacher and youth pastor. It gets a little difficult trying to work out time to do some of the recording, so just bear with me. It may be a little bit more of me doing these type of messages during the school year and not as many interviews and then during the breaks having more interviews and that kind of thing. Just because I can't just leave my class in the middle of the day to go do a recording doesn't work that way. So just please bear with me, be patient, and I believe we'll enjoy this new season of the podcast, kind of doing it differently than how it has been, but there will still be interviews, I promise, and I have been talking with several people and working out some dates and times, and we are going to have some interviews here in the future, Uh, specifically actually some missionaries. I've been talking to about three or four different ones and just working out some scheduling with them where they can get free over in other countries and several time zones ahead and that kind of thing. So just working that out, and we will be recording and doing some interviews with missionaries, and I'm super excited about that. And I'll be talking about kind of the theme of missions, and hopefully if it all works out, they'll all be kind of back-to-back for about a month, maybe even a month and a half or so, of just missions interviews, talking about how the Lord called people there and different things like that to their respective fields. So just kind of like a missions emphasis month sort of thing. But enough saying that, uh, we're going to be looking at the Bible today in Philippians chapter 2. Can't remember if I said this at the beginning or if I've said it yet, but we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 17. And the title of this Bible teaching today is called Spend and Be Spent. Now, it doesn't sound like a comforting title, but just simple, straightforward, and honestly, maybe even a little negative. But spend and be spent. And it's something that each of us as Christians are called to do and we're supposed to do. And we're going to see this here in verse 17 of Philippians chapter 2. And if you found your place, we'll begin reading there. But verse 17 says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. So it's Paul obviously speaking. He wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, the Philippian church there. And he's the one who planted the church. Uh, He worked hard at it. It was there for quite a while. Saw souls saved, discipled people. And the Lord just used him to plant that church at Philippi, and Paul just did a great work there. The Lord used him through the Holy Spirit and things. But he did. He planted this church, and he's checking back up on him, writing the letter to the book of Philippians. is a letter he wrote to that church, offering them some things they need to work on, some things to remember, some things to continue to do. And it's kind of like he's writing a word of advice to them, and it's the scriptures to us today. And in verse 17, he, I'll read it again. It says, This is Paul speaking to the church. He says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. 
says again, I said, Paul planted this church. He wanted to see it grow. He had put the work in. And he's saying, basically, that if he has to spend himself and he be spent for the service of their faith to see them grow, he says, I joy and rejoice with you all. So Paul's saying, look, I'm giving of myself to you all. I'm pouring my life into this church. I'm giving everything. I'm spending myself being spent by you guys, laying it all on the line, and I joy in it. And I rejoice in this, and I'm thankful to see you grow as a result of the labor that the Holy Spirit has used me to put into you guys. And it would be like this. Let's say you, listener, have a garden. I don't know if you do or don't. But let's say you had a garden. You worked hard. You tilled the ground. You put fertilizer in. You planted the seed. You buried it up, covered it back, continued to water it, fertilize it, pull the weeds, and you put all this work and took care of it. You would be expecting and waiting for the fruit. It's only right. That's how we're wired in our brains is that when we put the work in, we want to see the fruit come out of it. And Paul's basically saying the same thing, saying, look, I put some work in. I've wanted to do this. I poured myself into you guys, helped see this church grow, and I would like to see some fruit. And he said, you know what? He said, if I have to be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you. He's saying, look, I've spent a lot of myself, and if I have to, and if I continue to spend more, that's okay. I rejoice in that. As long as I'm seeing you guys grow, I am happy to be spent, and I am okay with that, and I see joy in doing this for the cause of Christ. So basically, Paul is saying that he could lay it all out for this church and rejoice about it. You know, think about us for a minute. Could we give it all and do as the title says, spend and be spent, and rejoice about it? Or do we find ourselves grumbling, complaining, kind of negative, not wanting to do that? Or are we content, as Paul, to say, I joy, those two words, I joy. I joy in this, and I am okay with it, and I can pour myself into you guys, spend myself, be spent, not expect anything back, and just rejoice in it and be okay with that. You know, it's not our human nature to do that. <laughs> it's against it. Every fiber in our being does not want to do that, to spend ourselves and rejoice. Where our American mindset is, we want to spend ourselves and then get some back or get it all back or not have to give any, anything and then still get stuff back. It's just how we are. We're selfish, and that sadly, unfortunately, that's how we are. Yet Paul says, I'm okay with laying it all on the line, giving it all up with nothing in return, and I will joy in that, and I rejoice in that, and seeing you guys grow for the cause of Christ. And can we say the same thing? Again, as I said, naturally we complain when we should be rejoicing as Paul's doing. And we can rejoice while spending ourselves to see people grow in Christ. The Bible tells us to, through Paul's model example there in Philippians 2.17, when he says that I give myself, he says, I joy in this and rejoice with you all. He's saying, it's okay, I'm fine with that, I can rejoice, I can see joy in this trial, I can see joy in this hard time by giving myself and sacrificing you know, my time, my hours for you guys, for the cause of Christ, to see you grow in the faith. He's discipling them. And discipleship is messy, but it's a necessary work. And how are we doing at that? It's something we all struggle with. We live busy lives. We have busy schedules. And it's hard to take time, some of your free time that you have left, to pour into others. <laughs> I get it. You just want to vegetate on the couch, watch TV, scroll through reels, uh, scroll through Facebook, watch YouTube videos, and just kind of vegetate and you know not use your time for the Lord because you're tired. I get it. We're all like that. Yet the Bible says, go all in, give it all, lay it all on the line, spend and be spent. And it's a, it's a messy but necessary work. 
The Bible tells us in the Gospels, Christ did several times to make disciples. We're to see people saved, we're to help them grow in their walk, we're to point people to Jesus and help them experience the same growing grace that we did. But in order to follow verse 17 and be able to spend and be spent in discipling others, there's two things that we can do to help us accomplish that verse. For us to rejoice in seeing people grow and us pouring ourselves out, there's two things we have got to do. And those two things are this. Number one, we find this in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2. So the verses before, in verse 14 and 15 it says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Basically, number one, he's saying this, is to live right. He, he kind of gives some examples saying, do all things without murmurings and disputing, so don't be complaining, don't be backbiting, causing arguments and fighting among the brethren. And then in 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, basically saying, you're going to be peaceful, a peaceful person, not causing brawlings, not causing fightings. That he says, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He's saying, look, you're a light in the world, and basically in a crooked and perverse generation, we are to be blameless, we are to be straight, we are to be not like them. In a world that's crooked, we are to be blameless and harmless without rebuke. We're to basically have a good testimony in a wicked world. And if we're going to be pointing people to Christ, pouring ourselves into others, we've got to live right. And you can't properly spend yourself pouring into others when you aren't living right for God yourself. It's like pouring grain into a bag, but that bag has a hole in the other end. And you know, you're pouring things in, and you're pouring it, and you're receiving stuff that you can give to others. But it's not going to make it to them if you've got a hole in that bag. All the grain's going to fall out and spill and do nothing. And that is what it is like. You can work all hard, as hard as you want to pouring as much stuff in to carry out to make a difference to others. But as long as the hole is in the bag, the stuff is going to pour out and you're not going to do what you could have done had you done it right in the first place. So number one, we've got, you've got to, got to, got to live right. You've got to have the right testimony, the right actions. Following verses 14 and 15, for sake of time, I won't break it down anymore, but you can look back at yourself and see those are some areas we can all live right. And if we want to do what verse 17 says, to be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith and rejoice with you all, We've got to live right. If you're not living right, you can't do verse 17. You can't enjoy the fruit of verse 17, of rejoicing and joying with them if you aren't living right. So how's your actions? How are you living? What's it like? Are there things you can work on? How are you at work? How are you at the workplace? How are you when you're getting groceries at the store? You know, you're going out to eat. How are your actions at home? What does your spouse see if you're married? What does your husband or wife think? Your children your siblings, co-workers, your youth pastor, different things like that, people that are placed in authority over you. How are you around them? And then more importantly than that, how are you when you're by yourself? How are you when no one's around, no one's watching you? How are you living then? Are you still living right? Because it still matters. If you're not living right by yourself, you're still pouring things into a bag with holes in it. It's still just coming right out and doing nothing. So how are you living? Are you living the right kind of life the Lord would have you to live? And then number two, we find in verse 16 of Philippians 2, the verse right before verse 17, our text verse. Verse 16 says, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So number two is you've got to hold on to God's word. If we're going to make a difference in people's lives, you've got to be holding on to God's word. 
if you're not clinging to it, you're not going to make a difference. Because God's word really is an anchor in our life. It's a thing that keeps us anchored, keeps us settled, keeps us sure. And if we're not holding on to that, we're going to be battered around like a ship at sea, just getting constantly tossed back and forth, back and forth again and again. And holding on to God's word helps us to live right and to know how to pour into others. Because we pour into others what scripture tells us. And if we're not spending time in the scripture, we don't have anything worth telling the people to pour into them. You're just giving them your own advice, which the Bible says our own advice oftentimes is carnal, is selfish, is sinful, when it's not based on the Word of God. And if we're not spending time in the Word of God, we're not going to know what the Bible wants us to tell other people because we're not spending time in it. So if we are going to do what verse 17 says, we've got to do what verse 16 says. You've got to hold on to God's Word. It's the centerpiece. It's the key. It's the key that unlocks the door. It's the thing that keeps everything going. And the Bible is what keeps us right. Because if we're not right again, verse one says deliver right, point one says deliver right, verses 14 and 15. Again, if we're not living right, we can't pour ourselves into others. But if we're not doing what verse 16 says of holding on to God's word, we're not going to be able to live right. Because if you're not centering yourself into what the Bible says, into what God says, into what is true, then how are you going to know how to live a true life? How are you going to know how to live right if you're not letting the word of God dwell in you richly and dwell in your heart and meditate upon it and let it grow you and change you and make you into the man or woman of God that God wants you to be. So number two is you've got to hold on to God's word because that's right there in verse 16, holding forth the word of life. And again, the same thing in rejoice, he says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So God says you've got to hold on to it. It's like you're out in the ocean and you're holding on to a life jacket for dear life. That's the only thing keeping you afloat in that storm that's going on, the storm of life. God says that that is what the Bible is like to us. It is like a life jacket or a lifeboat that's keeping us afloat in tempestuous days, in dark days, in days that don't make any sense. God says, hold on to my word. Hold on to it and it'll hold on to you. Dig into it and it'll dig into you. Pour into the word of God and it'll pour into you. And if we're pouring into that and holding on to the Word of God, it'll help us live right. And when we live right, that'll encourage us to get back into the Word. And it kind of goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And if we do those two things, then we can follow verse 17. Then we can do what verse 17 says that we can pour. We can then be able to pour ourselves into others. Because when we're pouring ourselves into others, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work to, be, to spend of ourselves and to be spent of others. But when we're getting into the Word of God, it's like recharging those batteries and just getting the strength and the energy and the zeal to keep going when we charge our batteries by getting into God's Word and then getting into God's Word makes us live right and then living right causes us to get into God's Word more and getting into God's Word more causes us to live right even more and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when we do that, it'll help us to be able to pour into others what God wants us to pour into them. And when we follow verses 14 and 16, or 14 through 16, it helps us to better live out verse 17. So I'm going to read verses 14 through 17 all together now, and then we'll close out our devotional here. They read this. They say, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day and this opportunity again for us to record this. 
Thank you for each and every listener that faithfully is tuning in every week. And I pray, Father, you'll bless them, help them in their walk with you as they strive to grow and learn from your word. Father, I pray that you'll be with those who listen occasionally, or maybe this is their first time listening to the podcast, that you'll just use this episode to work on their heart, change their life. And I pray, Father, you'll just work all things out for your glory and your honor. And in your son's name, amen.